Good evening, brethren, and good evening to those of you who are joining us on live stream also. Come continue in this series of messages on we are, what we are. Not what we should be, what we are. This is the 16th message on this subject. The subject I'm going to address tonight, in a sense, is difficult to address because it's so strange uh, in the religious world, Christian world. It's a very vital subject. I want to uh, aid your understanding in it. That's my objective. I know what a difference it makes when you see this. The text is taken from Galatians 3, verses 23 through 25. But before faith came, well, that's an important thing to see right there. Faith came. Before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under faith, which should after be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. It shouldn't surprise you that there's an enormous amount of teaching in the name of Jesus, that schoolmaster teaching. We're not under a schoolmaster. A schoolmaster is a tutor. He is a supervisor of the law. One version says he's supervision of a disciplinarian. If you don't do what I say, you'll be punished. Yeah. That's a schoolmaster. Yeah. Under a custodian, the Revised Standard Version says, under a custodian, like someone taking care of you till you grow up. And the Amplified Bible says a trainer, a trainer. This is what we're talking about the law. The law, the words of the covenant are the Ten Commandments. The law is all the ordinances connected with it. The law of commandments contained in ordinances. Those are all listed in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. That was told you how to obey the Ten Commandments. Told you how to do it, when to do it, where to do it. <laughs> that was the law of commandments contained in ordinances because the people didn't have a heart to do it. So they had to be told to do it. In other words, the law taught you how to obey. But it was just mechanical. It didn't, it didn't change anybody. The law didn't change anybody. It was powerless. It wasn't given to change. It was given to convict. Yeah. Yeah. The law taught 
The law taught, but it didn't teach effectively. You've got several books of the Bible that were teaching people what the law meant, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, how often to do it. It didn't work. It didn't change anybody because it wasn't intended to change anybody. Galatians 3.12 says the law was not of faith. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. That is, the law wasn't based on faith. The law didn't command anybody to believe. If you don't believe that, you just check the word and see. Didn't command anybody to believe. It didn't require faith. So if a person lives under a system of law, they, they, the law is not a faith. You can't have faith and live under a system of law. It's not possible. A system of law is you're not doing it, you ought to do it, and if you don't do it, you'll be punished. See, that's a system of law. The law is not a faith. Did you know the word faith in the English scriptures is mentioned two times from Genesis through Malachi? Two times. The law is not of faith. I'll give you the two times. Deuteronomy 32.20 He said, I will, this is God speaking, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. That's the only people in the entire world that were taught and cultured by God. No other nation. No other nation. God didn't identify with any other nation. All the other nations had false gods. God of the Zidonians, the God of the Babylonians. They all had their own gods. There was only one people that God identified himself with. And he expended, a, speaking as a man, he expended a lot of effort on those people. And they were some of the worst people in the world. Law is not a faith. The other said, Mentioning of faith is Habakkuk 2.4. And this is like a prophecy. Behold his soul, which is lifted up, as he thinks a lot of himself, is not upright. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've got whole educational courses to teach people to have self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. This is taught. Just men become millionaires. Teach people how to have self-esteem. Well, it hasn't worked, as you know. His soul that is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Live by faith means live to God by faith. It doesn't mean live flesh and blood because you can live to be a hundred years old and not have any faith at all. But you can't please God and not have faith. Amen. That's right. 
If they be without faith, it's impossible. Amen. That's right. If a person's not trusting God, it's impossible to put that person to please God. It can't be done. No matter how many things he supposedly carries out, no matter how diligently he keeps all of the feasts and the new moons and the Sabbaths and all this, no matter how diligent he is, it all counts for zero. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the law was, uh, it, it was a teacher, but not an effective teacher. It was more of a director or manager, like a master-slave relationship. It made sure we did not step out of the line. And the way it made sure was, if you stepped out of the line, you died physically died. You're taken out and stoned. You may remember the time that uh, they discovered the book of Numbers. They found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. That sounds pretty innocent, doesn't it? Gathering sticks. Uh, obviously, he wasn't just collecting sticks. It's probably for a fire. He's gathering sticks. So they arrested him and put him in a hole. They put him in some kind of a jail. So until they found out what he was to do with them. So they, had, they asked God what to do, and the answer came back, stone him. This is, this is the God we worship here that said this. This is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he said. That's what they did. They took him out and stoned him. Thank God they don't. There are still nations that stone people. You understand the Mideast, they stone people. Some of the modern techniques is they bury him up to their neck. And stone him to death. Yeah. See, yeah, that sounds heartless, though. Yes, it is. It's a difficult, difficult thing, but they, that's what they had to do. He had to scare these people to get them to stop sinning. But it, that better not be why you change. You better not change because you're scared. Even the word of fear of the Lord is not scared fear. It's not that kind of fear. It's a respectful fear that you want to stay close to him and please him. You know, the apostle wrote a church to grow in pleasing God more and more. The law is primary fault so far as the purpose of God is concerned. It couldn't justify anybody. It couldn't make you innocent. It couldn't make you a new creature. Acts 13.39, Peter's preaching, and he, he tells the people, or Paul's preaching, he tells the people the glory of being in Christ. By him, that's Christ, all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Yeah. You couldn't. Some people wanted to be. The psalmist wanted to be. You read the psalms and see how often David asked God to forgive him and to have mercy toward him and to be tender toward him. Why did he do? Why did he do that so often? Because the law couldn't justify. But he had enough sense about God. He knew enough about God to know. That at the root, God is tender, tender mercy. 
but he did not show much of it until Jesus took sin away. You've got to see that. Until Jesus made an end of sin, there wasn't much talk about mercy. Mercy of God just meant he didn't kill you. But mercy in Christ Jesus means a whole lot more than that. It means he'll give you blessings from heaven. Romans 3.20 says, By the deeds of the law, that's doing what the law says, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You just learn what sin is. It identifies sin. No flesh shall be justified by the law. Jesus told his disciples a parable on one occasion. And then after it, he said this. He said, uh, after, after you have done everything you've been commanded to do, afterward, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have only done that which we ought to do. So what do you receive from God from doing what you're supposed to do? Zero. That's what he said. You just did what you're supposed to do, and that doesn't earn any merit. But I used to think it did. I thought if I could just do everything God said, which was a pretty pretty ambitious challenge, that that, that, that would compensate for all the things I didn't do. But no, it doesn't. If you just do what you're supposed to do, it doesn't count. That's what he said. Amen. The law was a, with all of its commandments and ordinances and guidance, was a shadow. Let no man, that Paul told the church at Colossae, because there were teachers coming there trying to bind on them Jewish ordinances, monthly observations, and different distinctions and mates and so forth. And there are people doing this today. Incidentally, there are people teaching this today. A lot of the media ministers are teaching people to observe the Jewish feasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's millions of people that are being taught this. The last count, roughly, would be like 555 million. Half a billion. People taught to observe. Like we're just past the Passover. They taught people to observe it. He said, don't let anyone teach you that. Don't let anyone judge you in meat. Don't let anyone tell you what you're supposed to eat. Amen. Or what you're supposed to drink. Yeah. Now, if God said, don't do it, that's another matter. Yeah. Uh-huh. In fact, they had that when the early Gentiles were converted, they were confused on this matter because some Jewish leaders went down and told them that they had to be circumcised after the manner of Moses. And the early church, including the apostles, and the chief leaders of Jerusalem, they didn't know at that early stage what the answer to that was. It may be obvious to you, but it wasn't to them, so they called a conference to talk these things over. 
And the first thing they did, they called for witnesses who had been preaching to the Gentiles to see what the Gentiles' response to the gospel was, because that was going to tell whether they were received or not. So Paul and Barnabas, they told about their, their example. Peter was the first one. He said, you know that God made choice among us. And I should preach to the first, as I preached to the first Gentile, Cornelius. And they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. Just in Acts 13. That's right. He said they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. Well, see, I was taught when I was by some people that the Holy Spirit was received in a special way by the apostles. In a special way. No, it was for a special purpose. That's a different situation completely. And then... Uh, Paul, Paul and Silas, they explained, Paul and Barnabas, they explained how, well, we preached to the Gentiles and they obeyed the gospel. And so, so they were, the, the disciples were convinced by all this. And they said, then God has granted them repentance unto life. Amen. Just like us. And so they drafted some letters to be sent to all these Gentile churches to tell them what they really should not do. They shouldn't eat blood. They shouldn't eat things sacrificed to idols, and they shouldn't commit fornication. So he, they spelled out what they should do. Because even though these people were in Christ, they didn't know the distinction yet yes. between right and wrong. But to know the distinction between right and wrong doesn't, it gives a short list. Yeah. Were, and that was to keep them from being judged. By going back, going backward instead of forward. So the law is described. Don't, don't don't let anyone judge you, and meet or drink or respect of a holy day or a new moon or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. These are the things in Christ. They were like single dimension drawings, you know. If you're going to Buy a house, you, it's not good just to buy a drawing of a house. You have to have a real house. But the law wasn't, it didn't have life in it. It was, in fact, it was called a ministration of death. In Second Corinthians 3, the ministration of death. It caused death because if you didn't do it, <laughs> and you didn't have to like, not do a whole lot of things. You just had to not do one thing. Yeah. That's all. Just That's all Adam did, just one thing. He did one thing. Oh, the whole human race came down. Yeah. As far as we know, Cain just did one thing before he was judged. Just had to do one. I think I told you this before, but I'll tell you again. It's like a, a man that fell off a cliff about 1,200 feet down to the bottom. And on the way down, he, he saw a chain protruding out of the mountain wall, and he grabbed a hold of this chain, and it kept him from falling. It's a 10-link chain. How many of those links had to break before he fell? One. That's how many commandments under the law 
to be condemned, that's if you just sinned once. That's all. Once. You say, what about, you know, the people like David and people like this? Well, it's, they were saved because they had faith that the Savior hadn't come yet. There wasn't provision for washing and cleansing and the purging of the conscience from dead work to serve the living God. There wasn't any provision for that yet. But you read the Psalms and see how often David asked for forgiveness. He, he knew what was coming. He would, these saints like David and the prophets and Elijah and Elisha and Moses and Joshua and all these holy men of God, they were not made perfect without us. They didn't have what you have. They did not. But they are light years above the majority of Christendom. There's no comparison between godly men like Moses and Noah and Joshua and men like this. There's no comparison between them and many professing Christians, if not the majority of them today. They were not made perfect without us. That's how precious what you've got is. These men wanted what we have. It was revealed unto them that this isn't for you yet. Now they've been compensated by this time, praise the Lord, on the other side. They're among the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, now they've got some of it. And they still don't have the whole of it. Because of this situation, Hebrews 7.18 says there was a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. Disannulling mean, means put aside. Now in this particular text he's talking about the high priesthood of Christ. And the early priests they didn't, they didn't continue. They had to be replaced. They died. Christ's high priesthood is an unending priesthood. But in order for him to be our high priest, the commandment for the other high priest had to be put to the side yeah. Yeah. Amen. and annulled, no longer valid. Because <laughs> the real high priest, which was foreshadowed in that high right. priest, the difference was that Jesus sacrificed for someone else's sins. He died because of our sins. Christ's high priesthood is, let's be clear about this, Christ's high priesthood is not to keep you from being condemned. That's not why Christ is the high priest. He's not that way so you won't be condemned. He's high priest so that God can get to you what you need to be with Him. It's got to come to you through somebody. God doesn't give it to you directly. That's why He's a high priest. He's a high priest of good things to come. Categorically stated. The law made nothing perfect. This is Hebrews 10. 1 through 3. The law having a shadow of good things to come 
gets a single-dimension picture. And not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, year by year, Continually, every day, two sacrifices, sometimes more, year after year, every, annual sacrifices, monthly sacrifices, weekly sacrifices. They didn't make anybody perfect or mature. They didn't grow up anybody. He said, otherwise, they would have still been offered. If they, if they did the work of making people mature, and able to handle the Word of God, if they, if they made people able to do that, they wouldn't have stopped. Yes. But they didn't, so they were stopped. Then would they have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sin. Mm -hmm. hmm? That's right. Now, in the years that I've ministered, going on 70 years, I have not heard a lot of people talk about the conscience. But the conscience, that's, that's like an inward traffic light. It warns you, alerts you what you should and shouldn't do. It's a more, it's a kind of a spiritual intuition. But if your conscience condemns you, you can't serve God. You can't. The law didn't provide for the cleansing of the conscience, but the Christ does. He purges or cleanses the conscience Amen. from dead works. Yes. And your conscience can dredge up, believe me, it can dredge up your past and it can condemn you if you don't know that the, the conscience can be cleansed from dead works to serve the living God. In other words, you cannot serve God with a defiled conscience. Amen. This is why people that train preachers today, they have like a dumbed-down course and a dumbed-down approach to the things of God. Because nobody would even seek to be a preacher or a teacher or a missionary or someone serving God, no one would seek to do that. They can't do it if their conscience is defiled. Now, you can train them like you train a seal, I guess. You can't serve God with a defiled conscience. So if your conscience is, bothers you, and, and it, it, can, it can dredge up memories. Well, this is one of the uh, unfortunate things about getting old is you remember stuff that you haven't remembered for years. And all of a sudden, there's something I did when I was 13, you know. <laughs> That's got to be cleansed. So when that happens to me, I just confess it. I go back and I say, well, you know, I may, I may not have confessed it. I don't know if I did or not. I just confess it. And the Lord purges the conscience. Cleanses your conscience. So you not only... Enjoy serving the Lord. You you want to serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. So men had to be... See, to serve God, men had to be clean. They had to be pure. They couldn't be defiled. To be accepted by God, they had to be clean. 
They had to be pure. They had to be blameless. That's where Christ comes in. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now remember that under the law, there was no new birth. Under the law, there was no regeneration. Anybody. There was no regeneration. Nobody under the law was born again. No one under the law was transformed. No one under the law was being conformed to the image of God's Son. No one under the law was justified. No one under the law was delivered from the power of sin. No one under the law had newness of life. No one under the law had access to God. No one under the law was washed. No one under the law had a purged conscience. Now go back and read about those men and you'll admire them instead of finding fault with them. They did remarkably well for that kind of situation. But they, of course... They knew this. They were looking for a Redeemer, longing for it. Must have been a glad day of the day of Pentecost and the people that knew these days. The Jews, see, the Jews knew the Scripture. Yes. Gentiles don't. Well, there are some that do, but they're in a vast minority. But the Jews knew the Scripture. They knew what the Scripture said. They read it every day. In fact, the early church, when they had that conference, they said that Moses and the prophets are read every Sabbath day. There's some churches that never read the Bible. You know that? They never read the Bible publicly. Well, the Jews did. In fact, that's Jesus was made known by reading the Bible in his hometown synagogue. Those with faith under the law, those those with faith were the exception. There were people that had some faith. It was it was beginning faith, but it was genuine faith. They're listed in the Hebrews the eleventh chapter. Here's a long list of people that had faith. It was beginning faith. So people that had faith were the exception. But under the new covenant, people that don't have faith are the exception. Normally, when you think of an exception, that's, that's just a few. But in, we're living in a time when the exception is the majority. Now, newness of life is obtaining, not abstaining. Now, you do abstain, even from the appearance of evil. That is true. But newness of life is primarily obtaining, not abstaining. For instance, know ye not that they which run in the race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. See? We're not running to get out of Sodom. We're running to get into heaven. This is all the difference in the world. Ephesians 1.11, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. We've obtained an inheritance. Yeah. Hebrews 9.15 says it's an eternal inheritance. Yeah. Remember the point here is that 
newness of life, and life under the new covenant is obtaining, not abstaining. First Thessalonians 5, 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain yes. salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's salvation in its fullness. What you have now, you, you have salvation now, but it's the beginning of salvation. It's stage one, so to speak. The rest is to come. We shall be saved Amen. by his life, his intercessory life. Second Timothy 2.10, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Jesus Christ, with eternal glory. Now, Israel was saved out of the land of Egypt, but not with eternal glory. They were saved out of the Babylonian captivity, but not with eternal glory. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore, as in view of all the teaching that we are to obtain the world to come, we're being prepared for the world to come, we have a high priestess in the world to come, Therefore, let's come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. But I ask you, have you ob obtained mercy? Have you found grace? It's because you're under a new and a better covenant. You want a better testament. Hebrews 9.15, For this cause... Because he laid down his life and took away sin. For this cause, he's the mediator, not a mediator. He's the mediator of a new of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. You know, even Gentiles, their transgressions were under the first testament. that they which are called might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. So see, under the law, receiving wasn't the, wasn't the point. <laughs> it was getting rid of what was unacceptable. But in Christ Jesus, receiving is the point. Amen. Again, Second Peter 1, 1, what a statement is this. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. Notice the order that he states this in. He didn't say an apostle and a servant. He says and a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God our Savior. Some versions translate this correctly. They've received a faith just like we have. Well, there's some people who think the apostles had a different kind of faith. No, they didn't. They had a different kind of ministry. They have the same faith you've got. Amen. Amen. Then one last word on this uh, obtaining. Fight the good fight of faith. And your fight is more than a conqueror, you know. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. That's obtaining. Lay hold on eternal life. Well, someone said, we have eternal life, don't we? Yes. Yes, you've received eternal life, but it's just a beginning. Mm -hmm. It's a down payment. Yeah. Now, your job is get hold of it. 
with both hands, so to speak, hang on to eternal life. That's your response to God, your ability to obtain from God, your ability to come to God in time of need. Hang on to that. Don't let loose of that. Don't be diverted to something else. You've been called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Timothy he says you you you've done a good job. You've been you've been anointed, called to a special ministry. Some believe that was the gift of prophecy, the gift of preaching and teaching. Now to be successful, lay hold. So this that's my word to you that now that we've been liberated from the tutelage of the law and now you know what sin is but above that you you come to hate sin to loathe it ye that love the Lord hate iniquity yeah do you do that that's a privilege you have under the new covenant it's a better better covenant Lord I pray that you'd rivet this into our conscience and in our mind. We thank you for letting us know these things. In Jesus' name. Amen.